Well, good, good morning to you guys. Uh, hope everything is going well for you. You had a nice uh, turkey and uh, you're ready to move on into these uh, holidays uh, with great cheer and great joy. And, um, you know, be with family, in-laws, outlaws, you know, all these, um, all these things we get to do during this time of the year. Uh, hope things are going well for you. A lot going on. We're loving our city, as we always try to. We have a uh, Christmas party coming up that we'd love to invite you to. Go on Christmas caroling if you'd like to join us with that on the 13th. It's a Wednesday night. Come on down and we'll do that together. But we're talking about Oh the Joy. And we continue in this new focus, Oh the Joy, that fills our soul, right? As we celebrate time of thanksgiving and appreciation, and we are also then moving toward uh, the celebrating of the birth of Jesus, which is what Christmas is all about. So <clears throat> be careful that as we move toward that, you, we don't get caught up in the world and the stuff of the world, the craziness of the world, the secularism of Christmas as the world uh, kind of just bypasses the point. Let's not bypass the point. Oh, the joy. This is, a, uh, this is a great word of encouragement from the book of Philippians. Paul shares with the people there because uh, the world is in a world of hurt. And um, <clears throat> it's not hard to see. You, you don't have to go far to notice that the world is hurting. That there's so many uh, crazy things going on on the planet. Uh, even as we speak, the craziness keeps getting crazier. And so Paul's letter to the Philippians is like our inspiration uh, into this sermon series on joy that's going to take us all the way into 2024 to the new year. Okay, so we're going to we're going to dwell on joy. We're going to focus on joy. We're going to let that Paul's word. Paul's word, joy, let that just be our encouragement uh, over these next bunch of weeks. Joy. And uh, when we talk about this joy again, it's not, it's not just happy-go-lucky joy, where you're happy one day and depressed the next, and happy one day and depressed the next. This is a joy that when we have Jesus living in us, this is a joy that just is permanent in us. It comes from deep within us. And although we may feel emotions on the outside of who we are at times, highs and lows a little bit, deep down there's a joy that overshadows and overwhelms any depression and any other mixed emotions that you will ever have. Because you know deep within, at the root of who you are, you are safe and secure in the arms of Jesus. And that brings joy to the depth of our being. That is where true joy should be. This is the joy that Paul is trying to share with us. 19 times in this letter, this letter to the Philippians, 19 times Paul uses this word joy. That's a lot in a small letter. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is simcha, simcha, and it means gladness. In the New Testament, the word is 
chera, and it means an inner gladness or a depth of assurance, a confidence that ignites a cheerful heart. Do you see that? Joy that comes from God in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, its root is basically the same. There's this gladness, there's this joy, there's this depth of assurance that ignites, look at this, it ignites a cheerful heart. That's what joy, when the joy of Jesus comes into your life, it fires up a joyful heart, a cheerful heart, a glad heart. It's a big word, it's a deep word, it's a powerful word. Joy is the fruit of your relationship with Jesus. If you have a relationship with Jesus, and you know it, and he's coming to live in you, and he's moving in your life, and you are following Jesus as a true follower and a disciple of Christ, there will be a joy in the depth of your being that you will not be able to explain. It will be a depth that only comes with a relationship with, with Jesus. And it is a joy that is an inexpressible, what we talked about last week, joy, inexpressible. Joy is one of the biggest themes in this letter to the Philippians. So, question. How do you handle hard times? How do you handle hard times? What happens to you when bad things happen? When your life when you get thrown for a loop, how do you deal with that? What, what, what do you do? What's the process of your mind, your heart, your life? Do you just simply start falling apart? Maybe you're shaking a little bit, rattled a little bit. Maybe there's some discomfort in when things go wrong or things go bad or life throws you unpleasant stuff like maybe a car accident or sickness or loss of some kind, when things happen to you in this world, how do you deal with it? I've got to admit myself, I'm not great at accepting bad things, at least initially. Like I'll be out there playing golf, right, and I hit a bad shot, and man, I can come unglued. You know, just, just in golf, just in hitting a bad shot, I, I can sense myself getting really like mad, angry. But then I hit a good shot and all is good again, right? Kind of how golf works. Isn't it amazing that a guy by the name of Paul, who's locked up in prison for preaching the good news, he didn't do anything wrong, he's just preaching about Jesus, he's trying to tell the world about Christ, he's trying to promote the gospel of Jesus, and he's thrown in jail for this, isn't it amazing that that guy in a prison would use the word joy so many times to describe his attitude and his current situation? To me, it seems kind of remarkable. Well, we're in uh, chapter one, chapter one. And we're going to start off in verse 18. We're going to work back a little and then we're going to move forward. Uh, but work with me. Flip, uh, flip in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. And let's, uh, let's dig into the Word of God a little bit today. Okay, let's dig into this. Paul's talking about joy again in this passage. And he's going to take joy to a whole nother level. I mean, the depth of the joy that is in Paul is also available to you and to me. And that is, is supernaturally cool. 
Paul says, yes. Chapter 1, verse 18, the last part of verse 18, we're going to start there. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, Paul says. For I know that through your prayers, remember he's writing to the Philippians, they're going to read this letter. Through your prayers, Philippians, and God's provisions of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to if I'm going, if I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. It seems like every time we read a chunk of scripture, there is just so much there. And so we're going to just kind of, we're going to just kind of be here in this section of Philippians 1 for a little bit today, okay? Because Paul is like, there is so much to be grateful for. Like, you know, I don't know about you, you sit at your Thanksgiving dinner and you go around the table and everybody is supposed to share, you know, something that you're grateful for. I don't know if you do that, not a bad thing to do, uh, but, but I don't know about you, but there's so much. Like, how do you even, how do you even begin to share something that you're grateful for when there's so much that you're grateful for? Like with Paul, Thanksgiving flows in every direction. Uh, where, where Paul's like, where do I even begin? Where do I begin? Well, for one thing, I'm going to share a few things with you today. For one thing, Paul says that he will continue to rejoice. That's, that's what Paul's going to do. I'm going to continue to rejoice. That's what Paul is about. He's going to continue to rejoice. Well, we're going to back up a little bit, verse 15, and we're going to, we're going to start there and get a running start to where we are. Uh, but look what Paul says in verse 15. It is true that some, we're going to get a running start into where we're going, okay? It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. This is where Paul is in general, in Rome. But what does it matter? The important thing that is in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached and because of this, Paul says, I rejoice. If it costs me 
whatever that Jesus is proclaimed, I'm good with that. I'm going to rejoice in that, Paul says. The fact that Jesus is talked about, the fact that Jesus is preached, this thrills Paul's soul. The name of Jesus is advancing. It's going further and further and more people are talking about it, whether from good motives or bad motives. You know, this kind of reminds me a little bit. There is a certain politician, not going to name any names, but, but this person gets a lot of negative, negative publicity, right? He gets a lot of negative publicity. And, and you just got to love the attitude of this politician because his attitude is at least they're talking about me, right? At least they're talking about me. And any publicity is publicity. I'll take it. That's kind of what Paul said. Kids, you know, your kids, my kids, our little people, they thrive. They thrive on attention. When you give them attention, they thrive on that. And if parents, if parents, as parents, we don't give them positive attention, they are going to take any negative attention that they can get. And they will become real hellions to get that attention. It doesn't matter what form it comes in. If they have your attention, that is what they want most, however they can get it. You've seen this, and I've seen this. And Paul is like, good or bad, right? Pure intentions or corrupt intentions, it makes no difference. <clears throat> the important thing is that Christ is preached the conversation out there in the world is about Jesus. And Paul's like, because of that, I rejoice. I am thrilled. I am full of joy at knowing that the world is talking about Jesus. That's cool. Verse 18b, our passage, he says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For Paul, there is only ongoing rejoicing. This is what's going on in Paul. Just this ongoing rejoicing. I will continue and continue and continue day by day, week by week, month, year, year. I will continue to rejoice in my Jesus. That's what Paul's attitude is. Take a look at verses 12 to 14 with me real quick. 12 to 14. Again, we're backing up a little bit. Now I want you to know, brothers, and sisters, that what has happened to me, now this is Paul's situation, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. I'm in jail, and this has advanced the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, that's all the leaders, and to everyone else in the area like, that I am in chains for Jesus. And because of my chains... Get this, most of the brothers and the sisters out there have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul's like, look, if I gotta be beat down and thrown in jail and that's going to advance the gospel in these different ways, then let's go for it. Let's do it. Let's go for this. Paul's like, my bummer, my bummer, my personal discomfort has resulted in their confident faith. 
of the brothers and the sisters. And the gospel is being preached even more. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Paul is ecstatic. Paul is overjoyed. And nothing will stop the joy. It's just going to continue and continue. Paul's going to just keep continuing to rejoice in Jesus because the good in God far outweighs the bad in the world. The good of God, the appreciation for all that God has done for us, far outweighs any negative that might happen to us. Whatever we would say is bad, it doesn't even come close to the good of God all around us. And this is what Paul is like rejoicing for. And then Paul says, for another thing, let me share another thing with you, verse 19, for I know that through your prayers and God's provisions, the spirit of Jesus Christ that has, been, that has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. You see that? Your prayers for me while here in this prison, Paul is saying, are a great comfort to me. I can feel your partnership as you pray and I continue in here and I hear of the faith that is bubbling up out of you and the, the gospel that is advancing through you. I am filled with joy that Jesus can somehow use me in this way. I would have never thought that Jesus could use me in prison, but look what Jesus has done. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that's somebody out there. You are trapped in a prison. Maybe in some way, maybe through uh, an addiction or a habit or, or just uh, your own thinking or maybe uh, whatever situation you feel like you're in, you feel like you are trapped in a prison, like Paul was confined to this prison. And what I think Paul would say to you is, man, God is so, so very close to you there. God can be very close to you if you will just call on his names. And the prayers of your brothers and the prayers of your sisters and the partnership that you have with other believers in the gospel is so big and it's so important and it's so needed when you find yourself stuck in some form of a prison. He says, your prayers, your prayers are a big deal to me. And then he says, and God's provision of the Holy Spirit, that God has given me the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> this assures me Paul is saying that I'm going to be just fine. I'm going to be okay. God will deliver me. Paul's like, I am confident that God will deliver me. He's done it before and he'll do it again. This is joy before it even happens. Like Paul can already have joy in what God is going to do, even though he hasn't done it yet because of what God has done in the past. When you know what God has been doing in your past, you can just look forward to him doing it again in your life in the future. And you can rejoice in what God is going to do even though it hasn't happened yet. That's a special kind of joy. See, most people in this world, we get joy when things happen now. 
and they make us happy. But the joy of Jesus that lives in you gives you the confidence that God is going to deliver you no matter whatever happens in your life. Even the greatest, the greatest tragedies of life, God will deliver you from because he always has in the past. It's joy before it ever happens. Look at uh, verse 20. Paul says, I eagerly ex expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that you, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul's joy, Paul's joy is being used by God. That no matter what that looks like, no matter what that might feel like to Paul, God is using him and this brings him joy. Good times, bad times, plenty in need. A free man, a prisoner, doesn't matter. Then Paul says a very drastic and extreme and unthinkable thing. He says, look at it, whether by life or by death. For most people on the planet, the idea of death is a very terrible, uh, terrorizing thought to think about death to think that I will die one day and I will not be here anymore and I'm going to leave this place and go into eternity freaks people out in fact people who don't know God they are more afraid of this than anyone unless they just don't believe anything happens you just die and you cease to be there are those people who think that way but if you believe in an afterlife most people are not living for Jesus, are terrified at the thought of death. Not so with us. Not so with us. Paul says, whether by life or by death, I'm good. Right? It is my pleasure to serve you, God. It brings Paul great joy, however God can use him. However the Lord can use him. In any situation. Even if it costs Paul everything that he is and everything that he has. Can we say that? Can you say whether by life or by death, I will praise you, I will serve you, God, no matter what you want to do through me? Can, could we honestly say that? Not like delusionally, not, not a death wish. But, but such a depth of commitment to Jesus that no matter what happens, I'm willing to live for Jesus. I'm all in with him. And I'm willing then also to die with Jesus or for Jesus, whatever that means. I'm going to go out of this place holding on to Jesus, loving Jesus, serving Jesus. And when I go, I go. Can we say that? Can we say that honestly? Because we live in, in very uncertain times. Paul's in prison. He doesn't know what might happen to him there. We live in uncertain times as well. I'm not sure what the future holds in this country. Nobody does. Only Jesus knows. But we may face, we may be faced with a similar situation of life and death. We may be faced with, a, with, a, with a, a, a situation where life or death is, is in front of us and very real. To suffer for the cause of Christ, we may have an opportunity to suffer for Jesus. 
So many of the Old Testament and New Testament followers of God were persecuted to death. Right? You read Hebrews 11, and you see, you see how people in the, in, the, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament were persecuted because of their faith in Jesus. We may be approaching a time in our history, in our world, where we're going to have to make some very difficult decisions. Right now, in this world, Christians all around the world are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. Countries where Christians are persecuted the worst are like Africa and Nigeria and China and North Korea is probably the number one persecuted of Christians in all of the world. Because of their faith in Jesus. They're being persecuted. They're being killed. They're being beat. They're being stoned. According to Open Doors, that studies these things, 360 million Christians suffer at high levels of persecution. Not just made fun of, but they are attacked. 360 million. 5,621 5, just in one year last year were killed for their faith in Jesus. 124,000 were forcibly forced from their homes. Forcibly forced out of their homes because of their faith in Jesus. 15,000 Christians became refugees last year. And over 2,000 Christian churches were attacked and or closed last year, in one year. The devil continues to attack God's people here on this planet, and he is heating it up more than ever. Through corrupt antichrist governments and through radical religions like Islamic extremists, he is persecuting those who believe in Jesus. We have it pretty good here in America. We're not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not being persecuted like many other countries are experiencing this kind of persecution. We are a bit spoiled in this country. But I believe it will not be for long. We are not going to be spoiled for long. It is coming to your neighborhood. The persecution is coming to your neighborhood. Will your faith... Will your faith, when it comes, survive the persecution? How on fire, how committed, how all in are you with Jesus? Are you willing to say in life or in death, I will hold on to Jesus. I will serve Jesus. How is your faith handling today's wokeism as you see it in this world? Are you standing tall against the attacks of the evil one when it comes to marriage and family and gender confusion? Are you accepting the ungodliness without any discussion? The slow cooking of our godly heritage as evil infiltrates just about every avenue, not just the American way, but our Christian faith as well. I've got to tell you, the evil is upon us. It is here, and it is very much in your face. You just look at some of the ads that are on these TV screens right now, and that you see on TV, or you see in the news, or you see on the internet, 
The evil is here. 10, 15 years ago, this stuff would never be in front of you or in front of me. And yes, yes, social media and the internet has, has made it louder and has made it more visible. That's true. But it's far more than that. It's more than just the internet and social media. The norms of God are under attack more than they ever have been. Yes, they've always been under attack. And yes, we see it louder and, and brighter now than we ever did before. But it's because they are more under attack now than they've ever been. No one's hiding their sin anymore. Sin is out there in your face. And you see it and I see it. And stores proclaim it and news medias uh, preach it. And it's all around us. You can't even watch a movie anymore without this stuff being brought in. It was never that way before. Only now has it gotten as bad as it has. And the question is, the question about all this garbage is what are you and I going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Are we just hiding? Are we trying to avoid the issue? Hoping not to have to make a comment about it? And afraid that if you do make a comment about it, that you are going to be labeled a radical Christian or maybe a racist of some sort? Look, you won't be able to hide for long. You will soon, you and I will soon be forced to identify with either Jesus or the world. Christians, the church needs to stand tall and firm in the truth of Jesus and in his love as much as we possibly can, but we need to stand tall. The church must lead the way so that believers, so that believers will then stand tall and firm for the truth of God's amazing grace and for his son Jesus in this world. And Charlie and Linus probably got it right when they said this world needs Jesus. See, the persecution is boiling, slowly boiling. It's oozing from dark places of evil, and it is, it is coming to your streets. You guys remember the, uh, the movie uh, The Fog? Remember that movie, 1980, The Fog, where the fog just kind of rolled in, and with the fog came all kinds of curses and evil and all kinds of craziness. We are living and what will be called the pre-persecution period. I believe this with everything in me. We are living, we are headed for a great persecution. It's coming. You can see the handwriting on the wall. But we are right now living in this, this, this pre-persecution period. And anyone who knows the Bible knows that we're living in end times and that things are going to get worse, not better. So how's the pre-persecution hitting you? How's it affecting you and your life? Do you see it? Are you engaged in it? Are you absent from it, hiding from it? Are you afraid of it? And what about your kids? And what about your grandkids? What are they going to inherit in the years to come? 
What are they going to see from us as we, as, we, as we confront the evil that is moving down our streets? What are our kids going to see coming out of our life? Are they going to see a strong faith standing firm against evil? Or are they going to see, they're going to hear nothing, crickets. As we don't say anything because we don't want to stir anything up or offend anyone. Are our kids, are our grandkids ready for what's coming? And it's coming. Can you together with Paul say and truly, truly mean what he says in verse 21? For me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Could you say that with Jesus? Paul says in life or in death, Jesus, I am yours. No matter what happens on this planet, no matter what happens to me, I will stand for you. I will gladly be counted among your kingdom, your son and your daughter. I will, I will with great joy lay it all on the line, Jesus, for you. God, squeeze every ounce of good that you can out of me while I'm still here in this flesh. In life and in death, you will deliver me. And this depth brings Paul a great joy that he has deep within him that it doesn't matter what happens to him. He's got Jesus, and with Jesus, he's got everything. And one other thing, Paul is like, I am so torn. I am torn between going to be with Jesus Anytime he calls, like, I'm ready to go with Jesus and hanging out with y'all a little longer. Like, Paul is in every way, very, in a very crazy way, very faithful way, very unselfish way. Either, either way this goes, Paul's like, I'm good with it. However this turns out, I'm fine. It doesn't change my joy one bit. Like he says in verse 22, if I'm going, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in this body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Paul, Paul says, like, if this imprisonment, if this imprisonment results in my death, right? If this results in my death, then glory be to Jesus. Glory be to God. If I die in this prison cell, I'm good with that. In fact, Paul's like, I'm kind of looking forward to going to be with Jesus. He said, it's far better, far better to go and be with Jesus. And oh yeah, it is far better, right? That should be our hope. That should be our confidence that to live on this earth, we'll do what God wants us to do. But to go be with Jesus, that is far greater. That should be our attitude. If it isn't, it needs to become our attitude. Then I am ready to go with Jesus. Not a death wish, just a confidence that my connection to him is far better than my walk on this planet. That I'm ready to go to be with Jesus anytime. That's Paul's attitude. Paul is like, guys, look, I love you, but if I can go home, bye-bye. 
<laughs> See it. I'm out of here. Paul is, the word is Paul, betwixt. Paul's torn. He's betwixt. He's, he's like hemmed in. What do I do? What do I do? I'd really like to get on up out of here. But if Jesus wants me to stay, I'll stay. And this should give us some, some great hope and some great encouragement that, in Paul's attitude. And his attitude is this. There is absolutely no fear in death for Paul. Paul is like, I, Paul does not fear death one bit. That's incredible. The thought of death is like the one thing that most people on the planet are not too crazy about. But for Paul, there is no fear in death. And there shouldn't be for you or for me. Only certainty and assurance and a comfort Right? That nothing, it's nothing but gain. That if I leave here, if I die on this planet and I leave this planet, it is gain. It is my gain to go and be with God, to leave this planet. See, that's, that's extreme spiritual maturity coming out of Paul, right? Such a proper understanding of life, death, and eternity. Like, like what could be more mature than that? What could be more mature than, than, than this realization that to live is Christ and to die is gain, that, I, that I, I will do all that I can while I'm here on this planet, but if I, Jesus takes me out, I'm good with that. I'm ready to go. That is incredibly mature. What could be more important or more mature than that? Possibly his next statement, right? His next statement. He's like, if, if God needs me to continue here living in this body, that's fine. I'm going to stay here and keep working and give God my all. But here's what it's going to mean for me. Fruitful labor. That's what it's going to mean. Labor in the kingdom of God. Fruitful labor. I'm going to work for the kingdom of God. I'm going to partner with God's people. And we're going to reach as many souls as we can for Jesus before he takes me up out of here. Because that's all that matters. That's all that is important. That's all in the end that is going to matter. That people know the Lord. That people have a relationship with Jesus. Nothing else matters. That is the only thing, Paul says, that matters. If me staying here helps you guys, then I'm down with that, Paul says. I'll stick around for your progress and your joy in the faith. If my being here means that you will keep on boasting in Christ Jesus and you'll keep sharing the gospel and that that boasting will abound more and more and more, then my joy, Paul says, is in your joy. I take great pleasure in your joy and advancement in the kingdom. I will gladly stay right here in this cell, in this prison, in these change, and I will continue to work for the, ad the advancement of the gospel with you. That's Paul's attitude. That's incredible. Paul is all about joy. Extreme joy, joy in life, joy in death. To know that you are completely in the hands of the resurrected Jesus. This is joy. In Romans 12, 12, Paul says, be joyful in hope. Be joyful in hope. Right? Our great hope, our great hope is demonstrated in the conquering of the cross. See, all of our hope 
is in what Jesus did at the cross. The resurrected Jesus is the thing, the one event that brings us hope where death sting is destroyed and we can go through the grave and enter into eternal life. This is our greatest hope in Jesus, right? That he destroyed death and he destroyed death's grip on you and that all of our hope is in this resurrected Jesus and that because he lives, I can face tomorrow and because he lives, all fear is gone and because he lives, the world has become now my mission field, our battleground to reach other people. Don't get hung up in civilian affairs in the world. Be busy in the kingdom because to live is Christ and to die is gain. And because of that, everything I will do down here will be about him, will be about him. I'm no longer a victim of the world I am a tool in the hands of my God. Hope has lifted us up and out of the pit. I am his and he is mine in life and in death. And together with Paul, we say, this brings us great, great joy. That is powerful. That is incredibly deep. If we, can, if we can say this with Paul, that my joy is in living for Christ and to die is gain, we are moving more and more into the image of Jesus and a better understanding of who he is and who we are in him. And God will use us in powerful ways as we focus our heart and our life on him while we're still here in this world. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. And let's let the joy of Jesus just go so deep in us that the things of this world don't even matter anymore. May God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. See you.